Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keys Talk, presented by Caps the Crown. This is Tony, me. As always, we've got John. This is the first time we're going to be talking since the draft. And on top of that, it's also free agency tomorrow. A lot going on. John, how are we feeling? It's it's that perfect little little nugget of time between the draft and free agency where reports come out and then reports come out the next day and they conflict each other. So it's, um, I guess, a time for intrigue and a time for speculation, even if it's pretty short at this point with the free agency going to start in mere hours, I guess we could say. Yeah. Might be a stretch to say that, but hey. A little over 24, but 3 p.m. Pacific time. On Friday. But yeah, a lot of reports coming out over the last couple of days. A lot of, a lot of reports from Jake Fisher himself, um, who I've heard as an intriguing source at some point. So Yeah, you gotta love those articles where it's just like, something, something, something about free agency, and then just every paragraph is like a new thing. It's yeah. like, how could you have this much information <laughs> yeah. coming out? Like, yeah. geez. You work for Yahoo Sports. Yeah, <laughs> for real. He used to be on, remember he used to be the Bleacher Report guy? Jake Fisher. Yeah, he's yeah, the Bleacher Report. I guess now he's with the Yahoo with Chris Haynes. He's still on Yahoo. Uh, no, I think Chris Haynes is. I don't know. Maybe he is. He used to be. I don't know if he's still. Is. I don't know because I know he has the TV job with TNT. I don't know if he does. Yeah, he does. Huh? Yeah, and so I don't, I don't know where he reports to. I think he reports to the Athletic, doesn't he? That sounds right. I don't know, no, because he just a little homework for the listeners at home. Go ahead and look. Look, yeah, look at Chris Haynes. Chris well, Haynes. He he put out that report that the Kings were interested in Ananobi and Siakam on his podcast. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, with like um, you're talking like a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's funny. He's a senior NBA. Yeah, like maybe last week. He's an insider for TNT and Bleacher Report. Bleacher. So him and Jake Fisher just they swap jobs, I guess. That's fun. I guess so. People moving up. What a beautiful job. Yeah. And, you know, it, the great thing is, is if they're very lucky, the, the ultimate promised land at the end of the tunnel there for sports journos is capcitycrown.com. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is where everyone's trying to be. It's a very exclusive club right now, two members. But <laughs> if they play their cards right, they can prove themselves, you know. We'll, 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 we'll think about adding a third. We'll see. We'll see how the, the facts come out, Jake Fisher. Jakey. Jakey Fish. Jakey Fish. But um, why don't we take a step back before we get into free agency a little. Um, I know the draft was a week ago today. But let's talk a little bit about these guys we brought in. Colby Jones and uh, Jalen Slauson. The Kings also traded their first-round pick, along with Rashawn Holmes, to the Mavericks. Basically just a salary dump. I mean, John called this in a good article. Priority one was getting rid of Rashawn Holmes' contract this offseason to really open up that cap space and be be able to sign big free agents, hopefully tomorrow. And obviously, I know you think it's a success, but you want to go a little more detail as why you really like that trade that McNair pulled off last Thursday? Well, I mean, first of all, you're absolutely right to point out that uh, it was my belief as well as a lot of other people's belief, because I think that you're really tied into the fact that the Kings are trying to extend DeMontis Sabonis. They're trying to add to the team in free agency, whether that means keeping certain guys or bringing other guys in. Financial flexibility was the biggest thing. The best way to secure that was moving Holmes. They did that, moved the 24th pick, and yet they still got a guy at 34, traded up 
with a future second four picks between the 38th and 34th pick to get Colby Jones, a guy that very realistically could have gone at 24. Mm -hmm. And when you put it that way, it's like, that could not have gone any better. It really could, effectively, you, if you want to look at it a certain way, really look at it as a, as a juicy thing, think about it like, if you really want to like maybe play in a little bit of a fantasy world, the Kings got Colby Jones at 24. Think about the Kings training 38 and Rashawn Holmes to, uh, to Dallas. That's um, a good point. I mean, obviously, Olivia Maxson's prosper is going to be a good player. I don't know what the Kings' thoughts were on going with him or whatnot. Obviously, they really valued Jones and... It just felt like from the beginning, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. This class was really good. This is a really good draft class. There were a lot of guys getting drafted mid second round that I think in a lot of other classes would have been late first, early second. I mean, I think you talk about like guys like Tristan Vucevich, um, like even a guy like Julian Phillips out of Tennessee. That, the guy, that guy's got enough upside to be a first round pick, I think, in a lot of people's minds. So walking away with Colby Jones, financial flexibility, and to top it off, Jalen Slauson, literally the one guy that we did not do a yeah. pre-draft <laughs> write-up on. I was texting Tony when the draft happened. I'm like, All right, who's going to pick 54? I mean, it's TJD, right? Everything. Everybody, I was like, it's got to be Trace Jackson Davis right out of Indiana. It's going to be beautiful. The Kings going to have the perfect draft. They still had a great draft. They got Jalen Slauson, bolster their fourth spot. Great defender out of Furman. Proven winner. Loyal guy. I think a guy that um, obviously isn't going to like amount to like this terrific player, I don't think. But you're going to get a, a value pick at pick 54 as a guy that really knows how to and seems to want to fit in to what you're doing. That just tops off a hell of a night. Yeah. It's terrific. Yeah, it is a terrific night. I thought it was a great trade. You know, it was 24th pick. Yeah, Omax could be a great player, but, you know. You trade in a 24th pick, it's not like trading a lottery pick. So, I mean, you know, I appreciate it. You got to get rid of that contract. And now we're, like I'm, saying, I'm very excited for tomorrow. I'm really interested to see what McNair can pull off. But uh, kind of going back to Colby Jones, um, our first pick of the night, our first real pick of the night, who's staying in Sacramento. What do you like most about him? What do you, you see him playing at all in his rookie season on the Sacramento Kings, opposed to the Stockton Kings? If I had to, pre-free uh, agency period, just this little point in between the draft and free agency, if I had to give you uh, my opinion as to what his role would be classified as, he's basically, in the way I see it, he's going to be kind of taking that Terrence Davis role. Mm-hmm. Essentially that third shooting guard kind of like drifting onto the wing and doing other stuff, but just kind of a call upon when needed kind of a guy, next man up type of thing. And that's just perfect for Colby Jones because Colby Jones plays both ends of the floor pretty well. I don't ever think that he's like elite on either end. I don't think he does anything that's necessarily elite, but he's a whole package. He's a guy that comes at the game the right way. He wants to do stuff. You know, I think at the press conference on Tuesday, they asked him like, well, what do you see your role being? And as opposed to Slauson, who was like, well, I'm going to bolster the depth of the four. Colby Jones was like literally anything. I'll do anything. I don't care. I'll go out there and figure it out. And, that's the kind of thing you'll you'll want to see. I think you'll probably he'll probably get spotty minutes. He won't be like a consistent rotational guy. I think in his rookie year, but I think he'll kind of have that Terrence Davis like ninth or tenth guy in the rotation type thing. You see him a couple times a week, and depending on that growth and that progress, you might even see him you know later on in his rookie season in a more rotational role. Obviously, things happen throughout a season. 
Uh, we can't count on the Kings having the best health as they did last year. Although, hey, maybe they do. But if they don't, they got Colby Jones in the wings waiting. So, so long as they don't move her or Monk or anything like that. I mean, looking at the guard position, I mean, Colby Jones, I would call him a combo guard that can guard the wing. I think is how most people kind of characterize him. Mm-hmm. He's not really a small forward. He's not, I wouldn't confine him to being a two guard. He can handle he can do all sorts of different things. He's lean, but he's strong for his leanness. So he can guard some wings. I don't think he'll be like taking on like big wings. But, you know, it's just that's the type of guy that you kind of get his feet wet rookie season and whatnot. And um, I think you know, by year two and year three, you could have a, a really good contributor, even by the end of year one. Kobe Jones, I would not underestimate him. He has a great attitude about him. He... We talk about it with like guys like Trey Lyles and stuff like that. Just finding a way to, you know, locate where the empty space is and fill it in. And so, Colby Jones, as a young player at 21 years old, I think he might be able to provide that. I think it'll be interesting. I think a lot of it depends on how well he defends at the next level, and also obviously his three point shot. I don't have the numbers in front of me right away, but he did not shoot. Incredibly well, but it was kind of an amazing thing that he went up to like 37, 38% in his junior season. So there are kind of some wait and see elements to Colby Jones, which, you know, late first round pick, early second round pick, you're always going to get. But in terms of attitude and baseline of skill set, very good. Very good. Yeah. It seemed like McNair stayed with the uh, high character kind of guy. And just seems like a guy, like you said, just can do. Anything really between that one and three, maybe more guard, but you know, maybe a small ball three. So I'm excited for Colby Jones. See what he can do. I have one hot take about Jones. You say it. Not really a hot take. Oh yeah, I'll call it a hot take. Sure. I think Colby Jones, and I love Malik Monk, but Colby Jones is longer, stronger, more versatile than Malik Monk. Colby Jones also is kind of basically that combo guard, second ball handler, can facilitate, very unselfish. I could see him filling in a Malik Monk role in a year or two. Okay. And I think, like I said, obviously you'd want to make sure he's a good shooter and he really does have like at least a baseline of defense, um, which I really wouldn't be surprised if that just ends up happening. I think that might be a given. I think that will definitely be his baseline calling card in the league. But that three-point shot, if that starts to fall and he starts to gain confidence and really can kind of maybe become a little shiftier with the ball and be a little bit more of a creator, he could easily fill into a Malik Monk spot. I don't think the Kings are banking on that and waiting for Monk to play his last season with Sacramento. I'm sure Darren Fox would have something to say about that. Yeah. But, it, you know, setting yourself up for the future here, and it might not necessarily be next season, but maybe in two or three years, you could have a guy that could essentially fill that role. So that's kind of where I would go, at least first impressions of Colby Jones. Now I can see it, too. Good shooter, can handle the ball, distribute. Also, be that scorer and yeah. you kind of upset it a little. No, I think that's a good comparison for sure. Like I said, longer and stronger too. So you'd be getting the physical assets that really are give kept Monk kind of limited in his career. This is the fact that he's six one and he's very light frame and not super long. And that's crazy that Monk's only six one. He's six one, right? Or is he six? No, he's six one. Yeah, he's six one. He's shorter than Fox. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of positives about Jones. But um, tell us a little about Slauson as well. Slauson, um. If you turn that W upside down, you got slams. That should be that should. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. That's I mean, why they drafted them, I think. 
You might want to check out Cap City Crown's store. I don't know. There might be a t-shirt on the way. Uh, uh, Jalen Slauson, though, I guess I'm with a lot of you guys. I'm kind of learning about him as we go along. <laughs> but I did some work this weekend. Of course, if you want to learn more about these guys some in-depth kind of whatnot, you can check out our website. We've got a piece out there. We've also got a YouTube video on the two prospects and what they'll bring as far as we can tell. But Jalen Slauson... Long, fairly athletic, uh, strong. I think he's 220-something pounds. Good frame to him. At, at the press conference, he was specific about his role, like I noted earlier, that he's here to bolster the depth of the four. So kind of doing this out of order before I get more into Slauson, thinking about, like, well, what would his role be? I kind of think of his role as that, like, technically speaking, maybe this is, like, a little wishful thinking. It depends what the Kings do in terms of bringing in guys that you know, not just bringing in Vesikov and uh, uh, Lyles, but maybe making that big acquisition also, which could also be re-signing Barnes. We'll get into that. But it seems like Jalen Slauson would probably have a role that's akin to what Casey Paula had after the starting experiment went out <laughs> the door, where essentially he was kind of the third power forward, if you wanted to look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a fancy way of saying that Slauson will be your third four. Mm-hmm. And... Um, maybe even your fourth four if Lyles is your second five. But that, you know, I don't know. So I think Slauson, it'll be a little more difficult for him to get on the floor than, than, than Jones. But again, you're talking about a guy that he's a really good defender. In terms of rotations, it seems like his strength. He's just excellent in terms of understanding where to be, where his guys are at, and being a team defender. He's a great chase-down block artist, but even on those rotations protecting the rim, He's got enough length to him. His, his wingspan, I think, is 6'11 and three quarters. Seven feet, in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, no. 6'11 <laughs> and three quarters. Like, round up. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, nice and long. Like I said, strong. So, I mean, you're going to see him guard kind of uh, threes and fours. It'd be, he's not super laterally quick. You don't want him, like, on a, a guy that... I can't have an example off the top of my head, but like a quicker wing. Yeah. It's going to get by him. I don't know if that's the greatest thing, but in terms of guarding fours in the modern NBA, he's well suited for it. Six, seven, long wingspan, good frame. He'll get stronger, I think. I know he's got to be 24 for most of his rookie season. So in terms of like physical growth, it's not really looking up as much. But you have to imagine that he'll be adding some muscle and getting maybe closer to 230 pounds in a year or two. And combine that with, like I said, his length, he, he's got really good leaping ability. He could be a really interesting player. I think, again, kind of coming down to attitude and whatnot, he's all in on what the main goal for the team is or for what the program was at Furman. He returned for a fifth year uh, for one thing. He <laughs> That's wanted, crazy. And seriously, and he returned just to win the conference, the uh, yeah, his conference turning, the Southern Conference which he did, and then he beat Virginia in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he didn't. His team did. Just seems like a winner. I think that's what Monty McNair kept calling him, a winner. Him and Jones. But So what can we expect out of him offensively? Offensively, I mean, I guess kind of like what McNair had said at the press conference. I mean, in general, you're looking with the state of the team, kind of zooming out here. The state of the team, obviously, you have two All-NBA guys. You just need connecting pieces, as he put it. Guys that can finish, guys that can make the extra pass, make the right play. So 
for him, I mean, it's important to note that he was a point forward at Furman. He was basically the hub of the offense there. Did a lot of passing. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he averaged just under four assists uh, or around four assists. Really good passer from the high post uh, up at the elbow or from the top. He's the type of guy that you could get him on pick-and-pop situations, which is important to note because I think he was about a 38% shooter in his final year at Furman. It'll be interesting to see a lot, obviously, rides on a shooting as with anybody. But he's the type of guy that um, at Furman, even his open shots came, he would make the extra pass, all that stuff. So he's very much looking to be unselfish. Uh, his good leaping ability and strength makes him a pretty good finisher at the rim. So to answer your question, he's going to, I mean, like, we'll, we have to see it to believe it. But uh, like McNair said, be that connector. Not to be that fourth or fifth option. Not really being there to do anything on that end, but to facilitate cut, make hard cuts, keep the kind of pace in the half court going, run the floor and transition. Just doing all the little things. Um, he doesn't have, like, offensive strengths that are like incredibly mind-blowing I me mean, even as like a playmaker for other guys when he puts the ball on the floor he goes right he doesn't go left very well he'll do crazy things just to get back to his right side which creates turnovers and stuff like that you're not going to want him to even come close to being <laughs> that point point forward at Furman is a little different than yeah. point forward at, with the Sacramento Kings or any NBA team so you know it's a little bit of a question mark but it'd be slow and kind of like you know, not the most ample workload on offense, but if he does things well, if he shoots, if he can kind of find ways to make magic happen, as it were, um, it could be bigger. But like I said, I don't really anticipate Slauson being a nightly rotation guy in his, in his rookie year, but in terms of depth, and you don't want to say developmental piece for a 23 going on 24 year old, mm-hmm. but kind of, you'd like to maybe see him. And he's a late second round pick. So it's like, I expect him to be on the roster, but they're going to see about what he can do. And then, you know, at the end of the year, maybe get another kind of like uh, opportunity to think, you know, what route is he directed in? I think his rookie season will be very telling. I think it'll be a little bit more year by year. I think obviously with the age, you, you don't give a guy as much of a leash, but like I said, character wise, in terms of wanting to do the right thing for the team, he's all in, in that, in that regard. And I think anytime you have a team with good chemistry, and a team that's talented and successful, you add a young guy that's like that, should be seamless. Should be. Even if he's not making the biggest impact, which he's not really expected to do. So, Slauson, it could very much be, you know, a year or two, a rotational guy. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, he's a good depth piece, and that can develop into more. Yeah, because you can get out of him. Yeah, I think he's, he's great. I think it was interesting, um... Chris Livingston out of Kentucky was last pick. Mm-hmm. Four picks after, um, whatchamacallit. Right, Slauson. Right before Slauson was Jalen Clark out of UCLA. Those were three of the, the best defensive prospects late in the second round available. Uh, Livingston's agent called teams ahead of time to tell him, don't draft him. He wants to go to the Bucks. I can't really blame him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice place to go when you're a young, really raw project like Livingston. But I think he's coming out as a freshman. He probably should stay another year in college, but who am I to say? He got drafted. Good for him. I wonder if the Kings were interested in him at all. Also, with Clark being there, I think, obviously, I think the Kings might have been more interested in Slauson just because there's a positional difference between Clark and, and Slauson. Clark is strictly a perimeter defender, and then Slauson, like I said, is basically a four and 
bigger threes kind of defender. Mm-hmm. So Slauson kind of fit the bill of what the Kings maybe needed more in terms of a guy that can maybe see the floor more. Mm-hmm. You might actually honestly be able to argue the other way. But considering they drafted Jones, you orient kind of more towards the uh, towards the front court with Jones maybe more as a backcourt guy. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. I, I, I do, at the end of the day, of those three guys, I do kind of get the sense that even with all those other things, especially with Livingston's agent, I still think that the Kings probably had Sloss and valued higher than the other three. But I think it was interesting with the draft positioning. The fact that there were three kind of upside, defensive upside kind of guys there, kind of interesting to kind of just consider. Yeah, that's they, true. They, they kind of stuck together at the back of the draft. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Especially at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, all in all, it sounds like the Kings had a pretty good draft night. Um, picking two high-quality guys in um, Slauson and Jones and then trading the first-rounder to create some more cap space by attaching homes to the package, which kind of leads us into our next topic, which is free agency. Because with that Rashawn Holmes in first-round, or I guess Omax trade, the Kings cleared up about $15 million in cap in that alone, which puts them at, what, like $34 million in cap yeah. room? For the spray agency that starts tomorrow. And there's a lot of rumblings in every direction what the Kings may do. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. You, What do you want to talk about first? I think let's clear off. The, if there's so many rumblings, let's clear off some rumblings. To start, one of the biggest things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, will the Kings trade for OG Ananobi? I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Barling came out and uh, reported that the Kings are aggressively pursuing Ananobi. Well, things might be cooling off in that department. To start, apparently the Warriors had offered Toronto before they made the trade with Washington. They wanted to do a deal centered around Jordan Poole and Ananobi, and the Raptors were like, you want Ananobi? How about more like Ananobody for Poole? (laughs) (laughs) You can take a hike. Why don't you put put an egg in your shoe and beat it? (laughs) Pound sand, kid. they weren't interested in that. And obviously Toronto is notorious, I think, for the last two years at least. We've seen that this is a team that, that has very high asking prices. It almost seems like by saying that Ananobi Siakam is available, it's more of just, well, let's just see what they offer us. Yeah. Maybe somebody will do something crazy. Because if worse comes to worse, these guys are still pretty young. They still make up a pretty decent core. I mean, you could maybe still do something. I don't know if they'll win a championship that way, but, you know... There's no point going into a crazy rebuild if you can still kind of eke out some entertainment money with a pretty decent core. I think that that would be how the mind of an owner works. And I think that by doing that, it's important to note that they're not putting themselves, they're not kneecapping themselves. They're not doing something where they're signing a bunch of 38-year-olds for huge deals and they're going to be paying them forever or something like that. Yeah, They're still going to be in a position to reset anytime they want, maybe. And um, kind of facilitating that note, it was a guy by the name of Michael Grange of Sportsnet, which is a Canadian site. They reported that Toronto believes they could be a, quote, factor in the East if they bring back uh, their core, which would include keeping Siakam and Ananobi, re-signing Van Fleet. Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, obviously. What a guy. <laughs> what a player. I like Scotty. Scotty Barnes is a hell of a player. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I mean, honestly, you they might be able to keep the core together without bringing Van Fleet back. I mean, I think one of the things with not bringing Van Fleet back is putting the ball more in Scotty Barnes' hands and letting his playmaking ability kind of flourish a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, Van Fleet is a 
heavy ball handler, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, like high usage with the ball in his hands. So they could still keep the core together in a way and still kind of compete. I mean, obviously, it's not even about keeping the core together. It's just not like no realistic trade coming up to where they can dump off. I don't even want to say dump off, but move Ananobi or Siakam. And as much as, and I think there was another report today that was like, oh, the Kings are interested in Siakam and uh, Ananobi. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no, I mean, to get, I mean, to get Siakam, I mean, obviously he's a better player. It'd be, he's, yeah, he's be the better hole. player. It'd be a, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, I'd rather have Ananobi. I agree. I because if it, the fits better, you don't really need Siakam with Sabonis and Fox. But it's like, at the end of the day, Siakam's a better player. Yeah. He's the, what, three, two, three-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to cost more regardless yeah. of fit. So, it's like, wait, like, <laughs> interested in both? Yeah. No way. I, I, the Siakam thing, everyone wants Siakam. I'm like, why? I, I want an Ananobi. I mean, other than Michael Bridges, I mean, it's hard to find, like, a more perfect fit for what the Kings need right now. A defensive yeah, wing who can shoot the three ball well and can step up into a star role if needed. Yeah. No, I I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And then when you start thinking about taking Ananobi off the table, which is very, like, that's just the way it is. It just doesn't seem like, what, the 2028 and the 2030 pick plus one of – I mean, I guess they want – they don't really want Mitchell – I don't know if the Kings want to get rid of Mitchell, but I don't know that anybody knows what the Kings would be willing to give up or wouldn't be willing to give up. But I know that the Raptors wanted Herbert Monk or Monk. They wanted, I think, a shooter in that situation. They ended up drafting Grady Dick, so it'd be interesting to know how much that changes. But I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it might be kind of nothing going on there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see, uh, even if Toronto was, even if that report about them considering keeping the core together was Total baloney, which I doubt it is. It's not Jake Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, even if that is, isn't is true, I mean, it's still true that the, the Raptors want a huge asking price. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, I just don't think the Kings have, really, with any big trade, they just, they just don't have the pieces. Because, I mean, I think a, a, a team to give away one of their better players is going to want King and Murray. In the package. Exactly. I mean, they, they don't have their first rounder this year to give up now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to be Keegan Murray. I mean, your yeah. next best piece other than a draft piece for like, I mean, you're not giving up Fox just a bonus, obviously. What? But it's, it's like Mitchell. And it's like, Mitchell's really not worth that much. So it's just like, I put out that trade and it was like OG for Mitchell Holmes at the time and then like the 28 and 30. It's just like, now, obviously, not the, having to include Holmes makes that a big deal, and I do think that is that true. there's something to the idea of, well, they might be interested in Mitchell because Mitchell could fill in that starting one, and if you're talking about a situation where Scotty Barnes would be your main facilitator, Mitchell has no problem being your main defender up at the one. And That's not a good point. I guess Holmes removing him does It does kind of strengthen. boost it. Yeah, but I think for the Raptors' standards, two future first-round picks in Davion Mitchell, I don't think it's going to cut it for him. No. Yeah. They, they, you need that, you need that next like decent prospect. Yeah, Mitchell. Maybe Mitchell has a good year this year, but so we'll see. But um, yeah, and nobody doesn't seem likely anymore. But I mean, there's still you know other guys out there, names that we've seen float around for that three spot, three four spot because there's a lot of talks about maybe even removing Murray to the three spot. 
just kind of like that that forward spot, really. I mean, we've mm-hmm. heard from Jake Fisher, our buddy. <laughs> you got Draymond Green. You got Chris Middleton. You got Kyle Kuzma. What do you feel about these names? Okay, well, let's start with Middleton. He's not coming. No. Draymond, <laughs> he's not coming. And just on the Draymond thing, like, no, but you don't really hear the Middleton thing talked about as much, but the Draymond thing, it's like constant. I think Brian Winkworth started it last week. He's like, well, if he doesn't sign with the Kings, and I know, I mean, if he doesn't sign, re-sign with the Warriors, and I know it's extremely likely he's going to re-sign with the Warriors, but hear me out, because we're in this period between the draft and free agency where I need something to say. <laughs> I think he might sign with, and I, I don't know where I'm getting this from, but either Sacramento or the Pistons, which, again, is the most unimaginative thing. It's yeah. like, he's going to go stay in Northern California and go to Mike Brown, or he's going to go back to where he went to school and where he's from in Michigan. Yeah. That's yeah. off. Okay. Uh, let's see what Steph Curry has to say about that. I think Draymond Green might be the single most important figure to his success and his production. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think Draymond's coming to Sacramento. Although... I can't help but to ask. He would obviously fill in. And it's not going to happen. But he would obviously fill in and fill in a huge... He'd fill in two main needs that the Kings need. He would be a former all-defensive you know defensive player of the year. And he would be a vocal oh, leader. Yeah, okay. And I think more importantly, and I think if things really were going to work out well... He would maybe know his place among the team, but he would focus on galvanizing the defensive culture of the team. And that would be huge. Cause I mean, as much as Kings fans have, you know, their qualms with Draymond, I get it. I mean, you know, it's crazy out there. Um, but man, you can have a guy come in and try to like boost that defensive kind of uh, uh, trajectory that you got going on there. Draymond would be the guy to do it. But then of course there's the age thing. It's the age thing and the contract he's going to want. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not really split on it. I don't want Draymond basically for that reason. But, man, he's obviously going to want It's his last chance for a max. Mm-hmm. He's going to want it. He's going to get, I don't really know how much maxes are anymore. They're money to the, in the NBA. It's weird to me and crazy. So I'm assuming at least 35 a year over four years. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, how old is Draymond now? 35? Forget about yeah. it. <laughs> so you're going to be paying this guy in two years to basically not be very good anymore, which is, I think, the main reason not to sign him. But, I mean, he could be a Udonis Haslam those years. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but they were 35 a year. It's a little different. I, he, he would be great. to. I mean, I, I I get what he did to Sabonis and just who Draymond is as a player. But it's like, you have to respect him, and he would help turn this team around. He would be the guy to help him take that next step. Yeah. But just, like, for the money, and at his age right now, maybe, maybe like, five years ago, sure. It's like, <laughs> geez, it's hard to justify it now. and It's hard to justify that for any team other than the Warriors. Yeah, it's honestly. Kind of like it's their last chance, essentially. Yeah. They exactly. maybe got, like, two years left. Yeah. Or I, I'm surprised the Lakers aren't being talked more. Yeah, it's him, and, him and LeBron. Yeah, that would have been a... That's another interesting... Come on, Brian Winhorst, why don't you bring him up? Why don't you bring up the you know the Lakers? Yeah, your buddy LeBron. I was watching like NBA Live or uh, the NBA Today on ESPN. I was watching that earlier. I was going to say, I was watching NBA Today today. <laughs> and, it, and they were talking about Draymond. Like, oh! They went from like, I don't remember, one guy. They went to like Perkins, Ramona Shelburne. They all said the same thing. You're pissing the Kings, but... He's going to sign with the Warriors again. 
Hey, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> what are we doing? What the hell? Don't take Malika Andrews off the screen just to have this crap going on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But, I mean, that brings us to our next guy. And he's he's being talked about a lot. Is Kyle Kuzma. Mm. I'm just going to flat out say it. Kuzma, he's, I mean, he's wanting. That's one thing. He's wanting $30 million a year. I'm not sure if Kuzma's going to get $30 million a year. I don't know if the team's crazy enough to give... Maybe. I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. But this is a guy who's going to want 30 mil a year. Mm-hmm. When one, he's not he's not the best stretch for. Two, he's not the best defender. And three, you got to resign Sabonis next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're talking about negotiating contracts, and it's going to look around the realm of four years, 140? What's, I think it was 120. 120. Wasn't that from a Fisher yet? Yeah, Jake Fisher, boy. <laughs> that might have been a good nugget. Yeah, so, I mean, he's going to take up a lot of cap space himself. And yeah, I mean, just having Kuzma, I, I just don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he's a good fit for Mike Brown's system. I think if you sign Kyle Kuzma, you're essentially going, you're not really, you're, I don't think Kuzma would be a terrible signing. Do you think that in terms of fit and whatnot, and maybe like even chemistry sake, might as well just resign Barnes. Yeah. Because Kuzma thrives. He's kind of having the ball in his hands. He can create for other guys. He's he's good with the ball in his hands. Again, I mean, like that's all you can say. I mean, he's not like a catch-and-shoot threat. You don't want him standing in a corner. He probably wouldn't want to do that. I'd give his defensive uh, – I'd give his defense a little bit more credit. I think he'd be a great team defender. Okay. I think whenever I see him out there, he's not getting, like, blown up out of the water out there. I wouldn't say he's a great defender. I would agree with you there. I might even say he's a little bit better than Barnes. But okay. um, I still think that given everything, you shouldn't go out and pay Kuzma that much money when you could just bring Barnes back for cheaper. I don't, and again, you're probably going to get yourself in a situation where you're going to be signing Barnes for four years or something like that, and you're going to be getting him until he's like 30-something. I'm seeing what I've seen float around is three years between 52 and 60. I'm okay. Hoping, I'm hoping closer to 52. I don't really want to be paying Barnes 20 mil a year again. We did that once. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he was better those years than he will be going forward. True. So maybe like a declining contract. But that's what he did in the other one. It was like four years, 80 mil. And he went from like 23 down to 17, I guess. Yeah. And he, I'm, based on that, I mean, he would be willing to do it again, especially with a situation that's far more promising. Yeah. Going into next season and continuity. He's got some roots here now. I mean, this is his most tenured team now. Yeah. More than the Warriors, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's been here for a minute, and he has connections in Sacramento. But the Barnes thing is weird because, I mean, like two days ago, I read. <laughs> yeah, Ham tweeted that. Yeah, talks had gone quiet about. Yeah, talks had gone quiet. Jake Fisher said that like it's not likely. It's not likely they don't haven't talked. In Indiana, he might go back with Tyrese. I guess they still have a good connection, mm-hmm. and then like. And then I seen like tweets today from like Carmichael, Dave, and I think some other source. And they're yeah. like, like, yeah, no, the talks are resumed again, and like they're gonna they're inching towards a deal. Like, well, which is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, maybe it was quiet, and then it came alive in like twelve hours. But yeah, I it's think kind of weird. But I mean, it seems like the truth is. I mean, regardless, I think this is how the Kings view things. With the the events going on with Toronto, with the realistic outlook on guys like Green and. Um, Middleton, even Jeremy Grant, 
like the idea is like those are not really guys that you can bank on trying to sign. I think it's just things have developed to the point where the Kings are just like, okay, Barnes is really our best option. <laughs> you have to start renegotiating with now. Granted, we're recording this uh, Wednesday evening. They have, as of now, a day and a half essentially to uh, go ahead and do that extension. Otherwise, it becomes an unrestricted free agent, which makes things, I guess, a little bit more challenging to get him because he'll be having other guys in his ear. Obviously, he's had some negotiations with Indiana. I think he's had some negotiations either with Dallas. I think there was another team in there. Wait, that's true. Is that not tampering? I guess interest. We'll say interest. There's interest going on. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just kind of sounds like, given everything, I mean, everything also, last night, just the day before, it really seemed like all signs were pointing to Kuzma. And even that didn't feel right. I, no, I, I never thought McNair would go for Kuzma. It doesn't feel right. I texted you the other night. I'm like, there's, there's no, no way. way. I'm, like, I'm just like, there's no way. The article I wrote for yesterday it was like, I had to throw in that last line. But that's how it is for now. Or like, that, you know, it seems like they're going after Kuzma, or at least that's how it is right now. I just, things change so quickly. Yeah, they do change quickly. And, and also, it's just like, who really precipitated this thing? It was that Fisher report. Yeah. I mean, there were some talks like Kuzma, because everybody knew it's like, okay, he's going to be a free agent. Kings are going to have this money, especially with Holmes getting moved. Oh, they're one of four teams with over $30 million in cap. They'll have something around $25 million given when the DeMontis Sabonis deal gets done, I think, and something else. So many freaking reports I'm reading today. I know. But um, it's a lot. That Fisher article is one big report in <laughs> itself. I said it covered like 15 teams. Yeah, it, it covered like everyone. They're like, in, like, it was split between paragraphs who for the Kings. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay, we're talking about us again. Which also noted that they're probably going to resign Lyles, which is getting used to Kings fans and. Something I kind of assume he can't. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to come back. He was great. Why not? And it makes so much more sense. Because even if you don't want Wiles to be a full-time backup five, if you don't get, because you get Kuzma, well, now you're, and you get Vizinkov, well, now you're like really, and you sign Lyles again. Well, now what, you have three great power forwards? Yeah. Like three really, really good power forwards. That's a forwards. good point. I mean, Vizinkov is kind of the uh, question mark there because he hasn't played a day in the NBA. Yeah. But that shooting should help him out. I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense. It it, 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 it seemed like, really, if anything was going to happen, it just seemed like an Anobi trade. And that just, nothing's happened there. Yeah. And honestly, in hindsight, if we were really being honest with ourselves, it was kind of unlikely, probably, to begin with. Yeah, it's just given the asking game. price. Yeah. And especially with when things were kind of realistic, it was including Holmes, contract dump type stuff. It's just like, what world are we? Yeah. <laughs> what, are the, what are the Raptors have money on the Kings this year? <laughs> that would be actually kind of funny. Uh, that's true. It was more, uh, I mean, and no, he just fits so well. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you want to believe, but yeah. I mean, it's just, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Well, maybe it's one of those things where he'll hit the market and the Kings can negotiate with him someday. That's true. I mean, he's going to be a free agent next year. Yeah. And I mean, I'm really bank on that, really. Let the Raptors believe in their core for another year and then, you know, not make the play and then OG wants to go elsewhere. And that's the thing with the Raptors, because there was talks about them trading Van Fleet, wasn't there? Uh, I don't know. At the trade deadline? Probably. I mean, why wouldn't there have been? Fact check me on that, listeners. But on that note, if they were so willing to potentially trade a guy but then not be satisfied with it and then just let him walk in free agency... 
Well, who's to say that doesn't happen with Ananobi? Yeah. So, and, still get Ananobi. And I just think there's, and just some free agency in general, too, is, like, there's so much more to think about than just this year. Like, like paying Kuzma $30 million this year, or even twenty five. It's like, okay, I, like, that's why it goes back to Barnes. We can get Barnes for $17 million a year. Yeah. Because, one, you have to resign Sabonis. Who's going to be taking at least ten more, at least ten million more, if not more, month, like cap a year? You're gonna, you're probably going to want to keep Monk. You're not getting Monk for nine million a year no. if he has the same year again. <laughs> no. So it's like that thirty-four mil becomes like fifteen, if that next season. If you sign Kuzma, it becomes yeah. like nothing. Yeah, you're just you're down. You got like five million to work with next season. Yeah. And I, I just don't think Kuzma's the game changer. Yeah, I, I think also to that fit thing, it just doesn't. I don't see how signing Kuzma propels them into a situation where they're building their standing. I think he helps, but I just I don't actually see how the Kings are better with Kuzma as opposed to the Kings with Barnes. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think Barnes is far better. Like we we're talking about it with the rookies, Barnes is far better at just figuring out things to do. When Mike Brown talked to every player at the beginning or prior to the season starting and gave everybody a specific role, Barnes' role, as he said, at the, I think at his exit interview, was just do whatever, whatever is needed at that time. And Barnes did that pretty well. I mean, there were times where he didn't have huge rebounding numbers one night, but he'd score, you know, or he didn't have huge scoring numbers. Well, he'd rebound or he'd, he'd, he'd get to the line or something like that. I mean, he had an effect on every game, even if it wasn't astounding. And I, I do think... There were a lot of stretches this season where he was a bit of an underwhelming player. But I don't know. I just still think that the Kings are probably better if they bring back Barnes. And if you have Barnes on a contract that's cheaper than Kuzma, if you're talking a year from now, it's far more feasible to move Barnes mm-hmm. than it is to move Kuzma. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if Kuzma was coming out the same contract as Barnes, I'd be like, yeah. Kuzma. <laughs> well, it's like this. Perfect way to put it. I mean, if you were if you were given the option and you had to sign one of these guys to a three year ninety million dollar contract, you sign in Kuzma or you signing Jeremy Grant? <laughs> I'm signing Jeremy Grant. Yeah, and but where's the talks about him? Yeah, I did, well, I think the that's a good question. Jake Fisher could not uh, read the uh, signs and the stars on that one, but also I think that there's probably a bit of a waiting period on what. Damian Lillard. I mean, you want to say what the Trailblazers want to do, what Damian Lillard wants to do, really. I don't know. It, it sounds like there's conflicting reports about what Portland wants to do, but if I was one to believe, they're going to bow down to Lillard. They're going to be like, we got Scoot, which was a steal in the draft. I don't know what Charlotte was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just done. I'm like, where I've seen this story before. I think Brandon Miller would be a good player, but I don't think Brandon Miller's going to be like, a perennial all-star. <laughs> yeah. Like, Scoot Henderson, I would almost, you could almost make the argument that Scoot Henderson could be the best player in this draft because if Wembenyama runs into injuries, which is probable, yeah. I mean, like, look at Zion. Four years later, we're looking at him going like, all he does is screw porn star. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't get on the floor. <laughs> you know? I'll tell you what. But, yeah. Um, it, I guess, talking about Grant there, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Why would you want to stay in Portland, though, if you're Grant? If they're getting somebody else, right? Then you're kind of like, well, something going on here. I've seen this before in Portland. I hate Fair. Portland. I hate Portland so much. I hate Lillard. Sleep. Look okay. at this drama in Portland. You have Scoot Henderson. Just rebuild. 
Trade Lillard and rebuild around Henderson. Henderson, Sharp. I mean, like, yeah. right there you got two guys that yeah. in a couple of years could be a dynamic duo. Yeah, but no, they want to stick on Lillard. Watch him trade one of them away for, like, a big name. I hate that franchise so much. And like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, it's a, they're just, they're that team just, just always one step in front of the Kings because they have Lillard. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. They take trades from us. They took Chris Murray from us. Yeah, it did. I just like, oh my god, just quit it, just rebuild, please. Because yeah. they're always going to be, like you said, they're always going to be buyers, and they're more desperate than the Kings are, and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna give up just a little more for that Ananobi or someone. Oh. Just like better if they pulled Ananobi. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they're going after Ananobi. I'm like, hey, watch Portland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're gonna give up. They're gonna give up Scoot Henderson for him. Great. Oh, if they did that, I'd be like, well, that was probably the only way you were going to get OG and an OB. Yeah, exactly. Kings don't have anything like that. I mean, obviously, two future first in Murray. Keegan Murray, I think, would have a little bit more pull, but yeah. And it's kind of nice that the Murray twins, to fulfill Kenyon Murray's wish, they're not on the same team at the start. They're going to be at careers. It is kind of nice they're in the same time zone. That's true. You know? Yeah, watch them at the same time. I guess that does make it more difficult, actually. <laughs> but we got Keith oh, yeah. and Chris's game on. No, I mean, well, they'll play each other more. Yeah, they're in the same division. I wonder if they'll like leave Iowa now or something. I think they're. I think they're based in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine they have such a connection though, to that Iowa that I just don't see them. And Kenyon himself, he went to Iowa. He right. was a basketball player. I, I and I think he has a, a younger daughter. Son, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. go to school later. So I doubt it, but I, I agree. I think it'd be good for their development not to have that crutch with their twin there. So it, it'll do them good for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess Chris Murray would have been a interesting, a cool pick. Yeah, we re, re we reunited the picks after Ke- Keegan had such a good rookie season. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that Chris got drafted one slot ahead of essentially the Kings slot. Um, now, obviously, we know how things pit played out, so maybe that tips the kind of scale in one direction or the other in terms of this question. But it's like, do you think if Murray hadn't gotten picked at 23 that the Kings would have just taken Murray? Because there were all sorts of reports that were like, there's no way Chris Murray goes beyond 24 because the implication was that the Kings will not let him slide. We'll do whatever it takes to take him. Like, obviously, not trade up to get him, but if he falls on their lap, they'll take him. Obviously, we've been spending about 45 to an hour talking about <laughs> the flimsiness of reports, especially at this time of year. So it's like hard to say, but it would have been interesting. Do you think, I guess a better question would have been if he was available at 24 in Dallas, they were talking to Dallas and Dallas was like, yeah, we want that guy, which I think is how that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine they tell them who they want. Yeah. Um, do you, think, do you think the Kings would have still gone through with it? I think so, right? Yeah, I mean, moving Rashawn was priority. Yeah. Over a 24th pick who may or not be in the NBA in two or three years. I mean, <laughs> it could be. I mean, you, you've seen great late first-rounders, and you've seen a lot of busts. It's just, I mean, but I, I guess you can say that anywhere in the draft, but more so deep down the draft. Yeah. Um, not like the NFL, but... I, I mean, I, I'm i happy, I guess, it didn't come to that. I, I think they still trade Chris, but... That would have been a hell of a circus, though. It's like, the Kings select 
Chris Murray, now everybody's going crazy, but then you just hear like Malika Andrews on the other end. This trade's going to get moved. Yeah. People are going to be like, what? What? You're going to, were you separating the children? Yeah, Monty's probably just like, thank God. I did not want that to happen. Yeah, save that PR fucking nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, it looked too good. But things worked out the way it did. Yeah, it was, it was a good draft night. Set us up for free agency very well. A lot, a lot I don't know. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I, I honestly doubt anything big. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come to a negotiation with Barnes the day you're listening to this, folks, which would be Thursday. You think they're I, – I doubt Bar, Barnes extends. I, about, I, I, yeah, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would. I'd, if you're this close to free agency, you might as well test the waters. Yeah, but, I mean, considering the fact that they had negotiations earlier in the month, they must have had some – they're picking up where they left off. It's not like they're, like – uh, at a starting point in negotiations, they have kind of like a tentative leave-off point. I, I, I didn't want to say a tentative agreement because they haven't agreed to anything, but something to kind of pick up where they left off. I just wouldn't be 100% surprised. I don't know if it necessarily happens, but yeah. I yeah. do think that Barnes probably, I mean, I don't know if he does end up back with the Kings, but I kind of think that given the options would seem to be dwindling and contracting into a little bit more narrowed scope, that would probably be the route the Kings would want to go. What if the What if the Kings lose Barnes to the Pacers, and then they lose Kuzma to someone else? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Cause Imagine that would suck. You go after you'd have well because PJ Washington got extended a qualifying offer, so he's going to be restricted free agent. And I don't even think PJ Washington is worthy of like twenty million a year to be a starting power forward. But that's what he wants, and that's probably what he'll get. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would be your next best option, essentially. Now, I would be willing to be corrected on that. Maybe if there's like a trade option out there that people think, but in terms of like who would be available to sign, maybe you could. Oh, well, if you're talking about restricted free agents, you might as well go for Cam Johnson. But Cam Johnson seems like he's either going to go to the Nets or his old buddy, old coach, uh, uh, Monty Python. <laughs> Monty Williams over in Detroit. Seems like they're going to throw a huge offer his way. Or at least that's what I read yesterday. Again, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least they have some flexibility with Keegan Murray in the sense he's a three or a four, depending on True. what they want. So it's like you can go, you know, either way. Even though the positions, I feel like, become more like just the forward position in general. Yeah. But, you know, you just have that option. I mean, if you have to go after PJ, I. Yes, yeah, I got to PJ. Yeah, I just don't know. It's just like I think he can kind of stretch the floor, but I think he only shoot, shot about thirty five percent last year. I mean, like his really? numbers were good. I think he scored about fifteen a game with like five rebounds. And I don't even think he was a full time starter. So who is he, Harrison Barnes? <laughs> uh, so I don't know, and I just don't think like he's not a great defender. If I I'm not like a huge PJ Washington like expert, but from what I understand, I don't think he's a great defender. He scored 16, okay, five rebounds a game, uh, on 35 percent, but a career 36. Mm-hmm. Did Almost, he start off his career well from three? Yeah, 37, 38, 36, 35. He could be getting a great player. I mean, he's only what 20, 24. Yeah. He'll be 25 probably. Played the center last year, it says. 
It could work out, but that would be a bit of a gamble given the money that you'd probably be coming. Yeah, that is very true. Because he was asking for $20 million when they were talking about an extension, I think, a year ago. And Charlotte offered him, I think, twelve. That was the qualifying offer? No, that was a, a potential extension last summer. Oh, well, what's his... I don't know, but not not nearly enough. Yeah. But just to make him that uh, RFA. Yeah, yeah. Get him in their ballpark there. Yeah. But I don't know. PJ Washington, like when you start talking about like, you know, Ananobi, Kuzma, Jeremy Grant, even Harrison Barnes, it's a bit of a drop off when you're talking about PJ Washington. That's fair. I think if, if PJ Washington, but again, it's not even a role you need, a backup for. I think PJ Washington would be one of the best backup power forwards of the league. And I think he would be best suited to be a role player. I just don't know if he's the type of guy that you want to give that kind of money to and that kind of role. Of course, if the Kings wanted to maybe sign him for 17 or 18 million or something like that, and you have Zenkov and Lyles and all these different guys, you can kind of mix and match. Maybe things work out a little bit better. Maybe that almost makes it sound a little better. Mm-hmm. But still, I just feel like I'm crawling back to Harrison Barnes's front porch. Yeah, that's what it seems like. HB40. It's been such an up and down ride with Barnes. Like I feel like at the beginning of this, not in the beginning, but around the beginning of the season, it was like, the oh, Kings want to re-sign Barnes. And like, I feel like that was like talk all year. Or it was they didn't want to trade him. Yeah. yeah they were going to keep him. Yeah, you're right. And then it was like, we want to re-sign him or extend him. And he had the terrible playoffs. And I, I feel like that's... It's, I feel like that, that's sitting in Kings fans like the back of our minds too much. Like, yeah. <laughs> you really screwed us over, dude. You're awful. And on top of his age and stuff, but... I mean... And also, I mean, the only thing I don't like too much about Barnes is that, yeah, I mean... I mean, Fox and Sabon are pretty all-stars. Yeah, they can improve. I don't know if they're going to drastically improve. I think that's just the players they are, which is very good. Where you bring back Barnes, you kind of like, maybe you bring Vezinkov, whatever, you know, like maybe he's good, maybe he's not. Like you're kind of sitting with the same team last year, in a way. Maybe a little improved, Murray can improve, maybe you can bring in a piece here or there. But it's like, that team wasn't a championship contender. If you bring back in Barnes, how much are you really improving? So I think that's why, like, the prospect of Kuzma or like a big name this year, while you have this flexibility, is appealing. It's like we're in a good financial position, <laughs> but it's like we're not win now, though. So that's the problem. You have a lot more to think about. It's definitely a conundrum. Yeah, it's tough. We're in a weird spot because you usually don't. I don't know. Don't feel like you. If only you could have gotten Ananobi. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It just really underlines how perfect mm-hmm. that would be. Exactly. Like, that would you get so Ananobi. I'm like, this is a title team. Yeah. But Barnes, I'm like, is that one piece away still? And maybe, and that could be Murray in two years, but I don't think it's Murray this year. Or a more consistent herder, even. Yeah. Because, I mean, he killed us too. He did. And not just in the playoffs, but I mean, he, I mean, he did, but he was terrible. He was a little stretch. You, really late and then into the playoffs, and then, like, there was that middle period in like February and January where mm-hmm. it was like, uh, he's getting blown by, and he's missing threes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you talk about improvement of guys. I mean, like, I guess in terms of Fox and Sabonis, the ways they can improve is shooting, mostly Sabonis. Yeah. Herder obviously talked about conditioning. But I, I, I agree. In terms of on paper, you're not doing a lot to, to, to bolster things. But we saw the Kings not 
bolster the roster. I mean, they got Kessler Edwards, which actually ended up bolstering the roster pretty significantly, in my opinion. And having had had his club option picked up, you know, what we all thought was going to happen happened. So mm-hmm. he'll be back next season. But you know, the Kings stood pat at the deadline. Didn't see any reason doing anything too crazy. Played it safe. And again, like we said, it'd be better. Even if you're not getting 100% better and you're not putting people in a position to take that side of the argument that the Kings got way better by sending Barnes as opposed to Kuzma, going back to what we said earlier, you're in a better position financially and in terms of moving either guy or creating space in other ways to move Barnes at a cheaper deal than Kuzma at a premium deal. That's true. So, my goodness, there's a lot to look forward to at this free agency. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, with all these options out there, it's just like, man, I'm glad McNair's at the at the helm. <laughs> he's been killing it ever since. Uh, he's dude, he's so good. And it's just like I'm glad I can like I know I know he's gonna make the right move. It might be a disappointing move in like the moment. It's like so all we did was get Kessler Edwards while all these moves are being made, but it's like whatever. Like yeah. it's it's obviously better for our future and he sees that and I'm very I'm glad we extended him. Yeah. Big move. So it's gonna be a fun day tomorrow. Yeah, three o'clock on a Friday. Crack open a beer. <laughs> That's right. Just see what happens. It's gonna be. Uh, we'll see what I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like it could be a crazy move. It could just be you're signing Harrison Barnes. Seriously, or we or worst a lose lose. We we get no one. <laughs> <laughs> Kessler Edwards is projected to start. <laughs> be like, I mean, oh man, <laughs> you're rough. Yeah. But I doubt that'll happen. I feel like Barnes will come back if anything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, that's all we can say for now. Yeah, I'll have a lot more to report on once I guess free agency begins, and I feel like most of the big moves get made that first day. Um, sometimes within that first hour. Yeah, all the tampering's not a thing, right? But um, wait, what are the agreement? Like, I don't even know. I'd have to read up all of that because <laughs> I know in the NFL they're like really strict about that. Are they? Yeah, like tampering gets brought up all the time. I don't see it as much. I mean, you do see it with uh, who lost their picks. Yeah, it was the Sixers, Chicago, and Philadelphia. And who the Sixers signed? Harden? No, I don't know who the candidate. Question I remember was. one year. I mean, I feel like it's every year. It's like three o'clock hits, and then Shams or Adrian Wojnarowski just start tweeting. It's like three. It's like three o'clock. Like how long were those sitting in your drafts? Yeah, <laughs> Lonzo Ball signs to Chicago. Like, Where that? What happened to Lonzo Ball? Is he ever gonna play again? I don't know. There's like all sorts of players, like Ben Simmons. Like, is he gonna play again? Yeah. Even Zion, like we said earlier, is he gonna play again? They need to get all those guys on the same team. Have an expansion team. <laughs> they only play forty-one games a year. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So they can showcase their talent. And, uh, it's like they, they no they're better. They just need to go to the G League. And <laughs> I can see that. That'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah. This is the most watched team. <laughs> hey, oh my god! They come to Stockton tonight. You <laughs> watch Ben Simmons, Zion Williamson on one leg. Um, yeah. Whatever. Oh, my God. Well, you got anything else to add? I think for now we're good. Let's see what happens in free agency. All right. Well, a lot of look forward to you tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, have a good one.